How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 191 of x Lapsed, where uh, we were supposed to have a couple very special guests today, but, uh, well, Twitter twittered on me and uh, didn't tell me when I had new messages here. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple of issues of Power Pack, a recent couple of issues of Power Pack, and uh, to commemorate that occasion, I was going to be speaking with uh, Jeff and Rick from over at Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Hopeful that they could uh, fill us in on some of the details here on uh, where Power Pack's at right now. And uh, since we're only going to be talking about the last two issues of this five-issue miniseries, I was hoping they'd be able to give us the quick and dirty on the first three since, uh, well, I didn't buy them. So, uh, and I also didn't read them. But hopefully uh, the, uh, the intro recap dealies will be able to uh, get us up to speed before we get too far here. I want to thank uh, Jeff and Rick for uh, being willing to come on and speak with me. It's uh, just too bad that uh, my DMs were not updating. Uh, users of Twitter out there probably are familiar with this phenomenon where, like, three days after you send a message, it'll still show, like, a message from, like, three messages ago in your little, uh, you know, at-a-glance look, I guess, at your messages. So it didn't look like uh, there were any responses. It didn't It didn't even look like I had uh, reached out to them in my uh, at-a-glance, but... I did, and they did respond, and I apologize for uh, not double-checking and trusting uh, the social media application to uh, do what it's supposed to do. Anyway, with all that said, let's hop on into our coverage for today. We're going to be taking a look at Power Pack, Volume 4, Issues 4 and 5. They had a May and June 2021 cover date, respectively. No story titles, so... uh Hmm. I hate it when they don't put a story title. Uh, we have a few books that uh, refuse to give story titles. I think I think I subconsciously blame Bendis for that, because uh, I feel like when Bendis started taking over Marvel, that's when the story titles started to go away. Or we would just get an arc with part one through six, obviously. But no titles here. Let's get right into the credits. Written by Ryan North, with art by Nico Leon, or Leon. Colors, Rachel Rosenberg. Letters, VCs, Travis Lanham. Edits, Brunstad, Moss, Brevort, Sabolski. Cover price, $3.99 each. And they went on sale March 3rd and April 7th of 2021. Now, Power Pack number four, this is the one with Wolverine on the cover, which is uh, what tipped me off to the fact that hey, maybe we ought to talk about this one. And uh, we open with a pretty adorable recap page. It's drawn like in crayon by uh, the youngest power, Katie Power. And she calls this her power diary, with a special note asking for mom and dad not to read it. Because, you know, that would kind of tell them that the kids are still doing their superhero-y things. So since we're not going to be reading the first three issues of this miniseries, let's make the most of this recap, yes? 
Now, the power kids fought Taskmaster and either beat him or didn't. Uh, Katie shocked him, perhaps on an electrified fence. I apologize if I'm totally butchering this. I'm just going by what Katie is telling us with her uh, crayons. Anyway, from here are the Powers kids. Uh, they head over to check in with their assigned superhero mentor, an Agent Aether. And I'm guessing this might have something to do with Kamala's Law. This is an outlawed branded comic book here, so it could be. I don't know. It turns out, though, that Agent Aether was actually the wizard. And he steals Power Pack's powers. He trapped him in some tubes, and uh, in Katie's words, it sucked so bad. So uh, really bad language on Katie, but he was able to uh, steal their powers. From here, we hop into the present. And uh, I tell you what, I'm immediately thrown off by Jack talking to us like we're viewers on his YouTube channel. Like, we're in full-on smash-that-like-button sort of territory here. And I know it's a thing. I just don't gotta like it. So, the powers are powerless. And and Jack is the one narrating this issue, by the way. Uh, They're facing off with the wizard. And so they just start chucking stuff at him. Because, uh, you know, they don't got powers. And it's, as you might imagine, pretty ineffective. Now, Jack gives us some quick and dirty highlights of the battle, which is presented in their full YouTube thumbnail glory. Thank goodness nobody's making the YouTube face. I think you know the one, right? Where, like, some guy is just, like, staring into the camera with, like, a gobsmacked, slack-jawed look on their face. I really don't know how people see crap like that and actually still click on them. I really... I guess I'm, uh, I'm too old. So, this battle goes on for around uh, 10, 12 pages. Uh, Katie is driven to the point where she's actually ready to kill here. She is just lit. And so she uses whatever's left of her power to send a power ball in the wizard's direction. Only he sidesteps it, and it almost hits a woman driving a forklift who evidently didn't realize there was a full-blown superhero battle going on like 20 feet away. And, you know, I know I've, I've driven forklifts before. I know they can be loud, but come on. I mean, there's like a light show going on right over there. Maybe, maybe take you 15 right now, lady. Now, the wizard ties of this and leaves. He's got plans to scheme and schemes to plan, you see. The kids are left to lick their wounds and talk about the craziness that just went down. Now, they deduce that when the wizard drained their powers, he also left some emotional residue of his own behind. So Katie's outburst is blamed on her inability to control her feelings because those feelings weren't really hers in the first place, I think. Now, Jack sits down next to Katie and the two have a heart-to-heart. It's decided that they ought to seek out a real mentor to help them out here, and this is where the ex-lapsedness comes into play. The Power Pack heads into the city where they drop by the Krakoan Embassy. They leave a note for Wolverine asking him to be their new mentor. It's worth noting, well, probably not, uh, Jack speaks in hashtags on this page, which uh, makes me kind of want to puke. Again, I know it's a thing, I just don't gotta like it. Now that night, the Power family, and I'm not going to say fam, even though Jack says it two or three times this issue, they're sitting down for a, quote, mad awkward dinner. Then there's a knock at the door, and naturally it is Wolverine. He goes to tell Mama Power that he owes the Power pa, but he's cut off by the kids because they don't want their secret leaked here, and the kids explain that this strange, hairy, probably smelly fellow is their new tutor. Papa Power instantly recognizes the very recognizable stranger as Wolverine from the X-Men. Well, 
Actually, he just says that he uh, resembles Wolverine from the X-Men quite a bit, to which Logan says, yeah, I get that a lot. Now, there's a cute bit where Logan is asked for his name, and the four power kids all give a little bit of his name here. They're, like, all rushing to say his name. And it comes down to uh, Wolverine being known as Professor Brucey Mansworth, and he will be known from that from this point on, at least in this book. The power parents leave Brucey to it, and then, when he's alone with the kids, they explain the situation. Wolverine snicked in order to inform us all that he is game for this endeavor, because uh, that is the universal language, in it? From here, we go into Power Pack number 5, and uh, it opens with another Crayola-sponsored recap page. It's cute, but nothing we need to go too deep into. Now, we pick up with Alex and Julie, who are picking up Jack and Katie from school, because today... They're going to enact whatever plan it was that they devised with Logan. And so, after school, they change into their power pack costumes, which, evidently, Wolverine sewed for them. I didn't realize that was among his many, many talents, though. I shouldn't be all that surprised, I guess. Alex is providing narration this time out, and he mentions that despite Wolverine's bright yellow costume, he is rather stealthy, which tells me he hasn't been reading the Kirkoa-era X-books as our man is back in the brown and tans over there. So, here's the gimmick. Power Pack is trying to lure the wizard into attacking and recapturing them. And in order to do so, they're going to have to put on a bit of a performance. So, in addition to Logan creating some new Power Pack costumes, he also made one for himself. And with it, an all-new villainous alter ego. So the Power Pack kids find themselves attacked by the purple-clad, super-secret evil twin brother of Wolverine, Wolvermeen. Wolvermeen. Um, okay. And so, over the course of the next half-dozen pages or so, he pretends to get beaten up by Power Pack, while also putting on a show to convince anyone watching that the kids are once again super-powered. As in, the wizard didn't drain all of their super-oomph, if you dig. And it's a pretty cool little sequence, truth be told here. Logan pretends that Mass Master is able to control his gravity, hurling him into a nearby, spotlessly clean, empty dumpster. From here, they concoct a cloud of stage fog with a couple of buckets of chemicals and stuff. This gives the illusion that Alex is transformed into a gaseous form, which also makes everything they're doing just that much harder for civilians to see, as, you know, magicians gotta keep their secrets, yes? Wolverine then fastball specials Julie into the air, making it look as though she can fly. Finally, Katie shines some flashlights around. And as she does this, Wolverine screams for mercy, or Wolverine screams for mercy. And just like they'd planned, a cable news company is there to film the entire event. Now this takes us over to the wizard's lab, or study, or wherever the hell it is that he hangs out. And you see, in an earlier issue, he revealed that he got the idea for his scheme by watching television which told the Power Packers that the wizard watches a lot of TV. And it stood to reason that he'd be watching this as well, and in fact he was. He's rather annoyed at the idea that the Power Packers held out on him and dared to keep some of their powers to themselves. So he light speeds over to them, grabs the four of them, and then returns them to his lab where he tosses them back into the glass canisters. He then proceeds to activate the device to further drain them of their powers. But here's the thing it actually winds up repowering them. But how can that be, you might be asking? Now, don't feel bad. The wizard's asking it, too. You see, a certain stealthy somebody snuck into the lab to reverse the polarity of the machine. And I hear you. Just who might have done this? Well, it might help if we learn that the uh, wizard says that uh, 
In order to have done this, six wires would have to be cut at once. Huh. Stealthy? Six wires? We happen to know a guy with six razor-sharp, unbreakable adamantium claws, yes? Mm-hmm. From here, it's pretty academic. The wizard gets his sucky butt kicked. And uh, those are Katie's words, by the way. I don't usually comment on the wizard's hindquarters. Anyway, the wizard is left hanging outside the NYPD, and the day is saved. From here, we get like a sort of kind of Animal House-style what-happened-next bit. Turns out that Power Pack kept up the ruse of Agent Aether as a symbol of hope. Jack started up his live-streaming channel, only it's anonymized, covering his face with emojis, which is probably somehow even less interesting to watch than most Daily Life livestreams. And, well, we wrap up with everything being good in the hood. Next episode, a Just the X, ma'am, look at Marvel Voices Legacy. But for now, let's talk about the power pack here. Really don't have any complaints about this. Um, I didn't expect to have any complaints about it. I was expecting basically what we got here. Um, Just a fun little romp. Uh, Not something that is... uh, too entrenched in the Kamala's Law stuff. I mean, of course, the specter of uh, of Outlawed looms over this book, but it's a lot more lighthearted, right? It's not like doom and gloom anywhere. It's just kids trying to be super kids, and it was a it was a lot of fun in that regard. I think the only thing that I would complain about, and I mean, if it's not obvious from my time doing the synopsis, it's a lot of the current year, so to speak, you know. Um, and I, again. That's a Chris problem. I know that that's a thing, and I've not been around children, so for all I know, uh, kids start every sentence with the word hashtag. I hope not, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if I were a betting man, and uh, you all know I'm not. I wouldn't know which way to go in that situation there, but outside of that, I had a really good time with this here. I like that they're still, they remember that, uh, Wolverine and the Power Pack kids have this weird sort of relationship, a, uh, a mutual admiration of sorts, dating back all the way to um, those uncanny issues. I think they were Secret Wars 2 tie-ins where, I mean, you'll remember the cover if you if you see it. It's uh, like Wolverine, I think he's got a cigar in his mouth, he's holding up, I think, Katie Power when he's got his claws out. It's, a, you know, it's been forever since I've read it, so I couldn't tell you much about it other than the fact that uh, that they know each other, and uh, they are. Uh, the gimmick here is pretty neat. Uh, Wolverine pretending to be Wolverine, which uh, I think that's something that could appeal to all ages. Um, I think kids would really, really get a kick out of it. It's just unfortunate that you know kids don't read these. It's still fun though, and uh, if you do happen to know any children who show a little bit of interest in comics, I, I don't think you can go wrong with this one. This was a this was a decent bit of fun here. It even makes me want to go back and check out. The Somehow, I, I have an entire run of Power Pack that somehow appeared in my home I don't remember buying it I don't remember ever trying to track it down, but it's here Well, it's at the other house, but uh, it is in my possession <laughs> And it's the entire first run The I think there's a Christmas special um, The Marvel Legacy, uh, re- like the one-issue revival that they did all that stuff, uh, miniseries from the 2000s. I I gotta assume that I just found like a like a screaming deal on the full set. I just don't remember when. And I know I've tried reading it a time or two before, and uh, I I couldn't climb onto it. I, I want to though. Uh, Power Pack's one of those books that people remember. People who remember it remember it quite fondly. And uh, I think we need more books like that on the shelves uh, these days. Um, this is. 
you know, the very definition of all ages, but doesn't fall into the trap that so many, you know, quote unquote, all ages books fall into where it's trying to, it's kind of like the already been chewed gum of comics, you know, like there's a little bit of flavor in there, right? It, it almost <laughs> feels like a real superhero comic, but it's not, and it doesn't matter, right? I don't know that kids really care about continuity and lore and the, the concept that a story that they're reading actually is part of something larger. I really don't know. I know when I was a kid I did, but uh, I, like I said, I don't understand children these days, so I couldn't begin to, uh, to make a suggestion one way or the other. But what I'm trying to say here, and I'm taking the scenic route to do so, is uh, this is an all-ages book. This is a book that's good for kids, adults. It doesn't fall into the super sanitized Marvel adventure sort of thing. And it doesn't try to do like the Disney Pixar, a little bit of crudeness to like keep the old people, you know, engaged. It's just a good story. And uh, if you are interested in checking this out or dipping your toe into the, uh, the young Marvel outlawed, you know, universe here, right? I think you could do far worse. So... Power Pack issues four and five, uh, definitely worth checking out, even if you are not manically grabbing anything on the shelves that has a uh, an X link into it nowadays, like yours truly is. But uh, well worth a look. The art here was really, really nice. Um, again, that's another thing. The art felt all ages here. It's certainly a more kitty or cartoony look, but not to the point where it's, you know, it looks... Where it looks different from a regular comic book. It looks enough like a comic book to where it feels like a comic book, but it also is drawn in a very stylized way that I think would appeal and should appeal to the uh, younger among us. Uh, you know, young and old, actually. Like I said, this is universally good. So well worth a look. But that is all I got to say about Power Pack. Hopefully I didn't uh, do the series or these issues too much of a disservice, having not read the first three. But... Uh, I guess you'll all be the judge of that, won't you? Um, from here, let's hop into the mailbag here. We got a couple letters to get to. We're going to start with Damien, who's talking about King in Black, Marauders. Now, he says, Even though Marauders is my favorite current X book, I skipped this issue as I did not care about Venom or Null or any of the King in Black nonsense. Having read this on Unlimited, I am regretting my choices. This is a really good issue of Marauders. And it is. It is indeed. It's, uh, it felt like it could have just been another issue of Marauders. I, I get why it wasn't, which, I mean, that's just the nature of the comics business right now. They gotta, they gotta slap a number one on it. They gotta truly brand something just to, you know, in hopes that the completionists or the event completionists will pick it up rather than just leaving it by the wayside like they may have if this was just Marauders number 15 or 16. That said, however, when you do go out of your way to rebrand something and make it something more than what it is, I think you set a certain expectation. And we opened this issue with uh, the idea that the Marauders were going to go and rescue uh, Cyclops and Storm. And, well, that didn't happen, you know. And uh, it even led into uh, the Savage Avengers two-parter that we covered a little bit ago. And that also didn't. I mean, there was a confrontation between uh, Storm, Cyclops, and the Marauders, but nothing happened. You actually had to buy the main King and Black event miniseries. Uh, Damien continues, I wonder if it was deliberately designed to introduce the Marauders concept. When you covered the sales figures, we were surprised that Marauders wasn't a better seller, so it would make sense to use the crossover to promote what's great about Marauders. 
This issue really does a good job of introducing the concept and the key characters. That's another good point. Um, this could very well serve to uh, to introduce the concept of the Marauders here. I know I've said it a time or two before. When we saw the original six uh, Dawn of X books here, um, Marauders was one I figured I was not going to buy. Just because of the name, uh, I saw the cover and it was like, okay, well, this is... You know, a swashbuckling kitty story here, and uh, then I figured, okay, maybe, maybe this is worth a shot. And then I was at the store, and it caught me, and I was like, okay, I'll take it, and I'll see what this, what this is, uh, what this is shaping up to be. And it turned out to be, you know, like my favorite of the original six Dawn of X books here. So, I mean, if I, an X completionist, had second thoughts about picking this up, I could imagine that the broader Marvel fans or the more casual Marvel fans would uh, see something like Marauders and kind of dismiss it as like a lesser than book because it's not a, it doesn't have an X in front of it which I mean that's the old joke right that's the old joke from the 90s where if it didn't have an X in front of it it wasn't going to sell and uh, I remember people saying that they should change Excalibur to well basically what they called it during the age of apocalypse the Excalibre you know the X hyphen caliber but yeah, I could totally see this being a really good opportunity to show folks what uh, Marauders is all about. Uh, Damien continues, I particularly love the use of, the, of Lockheed and the Chihuahua analogy. Yes, Lockheed was uh, going after those goop dragons here, and uh, I compared it to uh, my uh, four-pound Chihuahua who um, thinks she's uh, a lot bigger than she actually is. She'll still like curl up in my lap like all day long, but... Uh, in in her mind, she is like you know three hundred pounds and and twenty feet tall. It's uh it's pretty crazy. So seeing Lockheed go go to town on these dragons that were so much bigger than him just reminded me of uh, of my little penny. So <laughs> that's that. Um, Damien continues. I was surprised that there hasn't been a previous story with refugees actually trying to get to Krakoa. I can imagine the medicines being enough to promote people to sail to Krakoa, mutant or not. And that's true. That's a really good point because, I mean, I thought we were going to see more of that when they introduced uh, X-Force in actually way, way back in the beginning of X-Force where we had Black Tom who was kind of watching the shores, right? He was kind of watching the perimeter here and he he even was like a little bit put off by the fact that Kitty had to boat in. And she brought with her all those uh, refugees from Russia from the... Atrocity, I don't think we still... I still don't think we know what the uh, the actual root of that uh, conflict was. But uh, I don't even know if they're still on Krakoa. I don't even know if they're human or not. I gotta wonder. Um, but yeah, I was uh, also a bit surprised here when I stopped to think about it and see that we, we haven't gotten any uh, interlopers on Krakoa, right? Uh, then again, we have seen little bits and pieces where, like, a boat will get a little too close and they'll sound the alarms here. I know we saw it in Cable with the AIM submarine. And uh, also in, I think it was X-Force, because, yes, because Quentin Quire had to go to that cruise ship that was coming a little too close. So maybe maybe that's supposed to fill us in on what happens if a, if a boat gets too close. Damien continues, I loved Luke Ross's art as well. Last time I saw him, he seemed to be trying to be a less porny Greg Land, and I far prefer this looser, more immediate style. Yeah, no complaints about the art, and I'd totally forgotten about his uh, Greg Land period. It's funny, it's been a long time since I've thought about Greg Land, and uh, seeing his name here kind of made me uh, kind of make me made me chuckle a bit here, right? I think the last X book he was on was, um, 
I don't know if he just did the covers or if he did interiors, but I think he was on the recent Astonishing X-Men, the one with, uh, I want to say Havoc and Dazzler were, uh, like, uh, the bigger names on that book. I, though, I, there, there might be even bigger, and I just, uh, haven't read it yet, so I couldn't tell you. But I do remember seeing him, at least on the covers there, and it feels like he might have toned down his, uh, his porny style there, um... It's interesting. Greg Land was one of those, one of the first artists that I saw that uh, the backlash hit him so hard that the, uh, like the backlash to the backlash was almost immediate. You know, like sometimes we'll see people who will give the unpopular opinion that they really love a an unpopular or an uninternet popular artist, and uh, you could probably fill in whatever blank you want to there. And it's kind of looked at as being a contrarian. Like, it's not a whole wave of support. It's just a few people with the unpopular opinion. But Greg Land, it felt like as hard as people pushed against Greg Land's, you know, porny style and wanted it, like, nowhere near Marvel books, there was, like, a wave of people coming in support of it. It was very, very bizarre. It was one of the first times, perhaps the only time that I can remember, where an artist was quite that divisive. And, uh... Just seeing his name again reminded me of that uh, really weird time. If anybody has any thoughts about Greg Land, hey, feel free to let me know. Damien wraps up with, very, very enjoyable. Anyway, until I start to care about Venom, make my next laughs. Oh boy, I'd almost be willing to uh, bet that a certain percentage of the people who are into Venom actually don't care about Venom, uh, or at least don't read it. Uh, I, I don't know if I've told this story before. I was in a, uh, a comic shop probably, boy, like a year and change ago, and I was digging through the dollar bin as I was, you know, as I'm known to do. And a guy came in and started arguing with the uh, fellow behind the counter about the price of a Venom variant cover. And uh, I think the uh, dealer wanted something like 80 bucks for it. I mean, this was a brand new book. This is one of those incentivized covers that I have no use for, and I wish the industry didn't either, but it is a way to uh, make comic shops that are barely, barely eking by pay all that much more money into uh, Marvel's coffers. But um, this guy was trying to get him down to like 40 bucks or something, which is still a ridiculous price to pay for a book with a $3.99 cover price. But I digress. So he's arguing with the guy. They're they're bartering, haggling back and forth, and um, and they were just talking very very passionately about this issue of Venom. So I poked my head up and I was like, "Hey, how is that book?" And crickets. Neither of them have read it. They had absolutely no interest on in what was going on inside it. They just were talking about the cover, which I don't know. It just uh. Broke my heart a little bit, is all. Um, it reminds me of when I see people in the shops with, uh, with their apps out, or I've even seen people in the shops with laptops, where they Google the uh, an issue that they find in a bin and they look for a price of it. And boy, that's uh, <laughs> I mean, there are easier ways to make money, right? But hey, to each their own. But uh, thank you so much for writing in about that one, Damien. Uh, next up, we got Evan. He's talking about Gamma Flight. I did ask about Gamma Flight when I covered, boy, probably the June solicits, the Marvel previews. And I asked if uh, Gamma Flight's something we ought to look at because I think Puck was in it. Um, yeah, I think Puck is the only one that I recognize from the little teaser that we saw. But 
I'm sure a lot of you know and probably agree that uh, a lot of times Alpha Flight is sort of like an X-book, at least uh, like an in-law, right, or a distant cousin of some sort. But there is a uh, there is some a connective tissue there. So when I see Puck, it's like, hey, maybe we ought to take a look at this. It's also by Al Ewing, who you know he is part of the uh, the X family right now, right? So. Evan wrote in to uh, help me out with making this decision, and he says, uh, Listening to the Sword Number 3 episode, I figure someone already answered you on Gamma Flight, but I think Puck and maybe Sasquatch are the only ex-adjacent characters involved. The Alpha Flight name was co-opted a few years back, I believe post-Secret Wars 2015 edition, for basically a new take on swords, space defense, with Captain Marvel and Abigail Brand mostly in charge. Sasquatch, Puck, and Aurora worked for them for a while, but that's more a general Marvel thing than an X-Element now. Think of them as S.H.I.E.L.D. until S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back. Well, first of all, thanks so much for that information. That is all new information to me. I have, uh, I have not followed any of that. So uh, I'm very, very happy to learn here. And, um, boy, a sword with Captain Marvel and Abigail Brand. I, I can't think of anything worse. And Alpha Flight as a S.H.I.E.L.D. analog or a S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, substitute? Ugh. Yeah, I... It's so weird. I've only been away from Marvel for a couple of years, but I feel like I missed a lifetime of just crap I did not want to see anyway. It's very, very bizarre. But um, yeah, I figure we probably will not be looking at Gamma Flight, at least not the whole series here. If S.W.O.R.D. does get involved, then, you know, we'll take a look at it. If um, if any X characters pop up, we'll take it by an issue-by-issue basis here. Um, hopefully someone can uh, give me a little bit of a heads-up if they notice something that... Uh, that I don't, and uh, that goes for, you know, outside of Gamma Flight as well. Any mainstream Marvel book that isn't an X-book that you think is relevant to our Krakoan discussion, please do not hesitate to let me know. But that will do it for the mailbag today. Thank you guys so much for writing in. And, uh, hey, we have a special thing here right now. We've got sales charts, believe it or not. I've been... I bookmarked uh, Comicron's November 2020 um, page, and I would pop onto it a few times a week just to see if maybe Diamond gave us some numbers, and no. I mean, we're like, what, six months later, and they still have not. So I decided to go to the Comicron Twitter page to see if maybe other people asked the question, like, where are these, you know, where where is this data? And come to find out that uh, Diamond skipped November and December of 2020, so we're going to hop into January of 2021. I I don't know why they skipped it. Maybe it had to do with the, the COVID hiatus. I mean, I know they went dark a couple months in the middle of the year. I don't know why they would at the end of the year, though. Maybe this is when Marvel decided to uh, to break ties. I, I really couldn't tell you. Anyway, the uh, last time we looked at sales was way back in episode 148. So how about that about... <laughs> Near 50 episodes ago. Now, it's worth noting there have been some changes made to the charts. Uh, For one, and most importantly, we no longer get the number of copies shipped. Which sucks. Because we were using that as... I don't know if we could say the truest gauge of the health of wine, but um, a decent enough gauge, right? Uh, And the individual titles therein. Right now, all we have is the rankings. So basically think of this as that one page in the Wizard magazine where it's like, here's the top 300, it's just a list. We don't get the shipped figures, it's just a list. Now, 
Before we get into our books here, let's get into the gestalt of January 2021, and we'll talk about, well, I'll list, we're not going to talk about them, but we'll list the top five books of that month. And again, this is from Comicron.com, and shock of shocks, none of the top five are X-related. Um, number one was Dark Knight's Death Metal number seven from DC. Number two, Star Wars High Republic number one from Marvel. Three, Future State, the next Batman number one from DC that had like an $8 cover price. Ridiculous. And I bought them. I haven't read them. I probably never will, but I have them. Number four, uh, somebody get a pillow. It's Eternals number one from Marvel. And five, King in Black number three, also from Marvel. Now for the books we actually care about, or the ones that are, you know, worth talking about in this show. And I will compare these numbers to the last time we talked about numbers, and it's worth noting that the figures that we're comparing these months' numbers to are from X of Swords issues. So the last time we talked about these sales figures, we were in X of Swords. So we can expect them all to be a bit lower in the charts this time out. Um, The number 15 book is X-Men number 17, which goes down seven slots from 10 back in October 2020. The 20th highest-selling book is Wolverine number 9, which goes down nine spots from 11. Book 34 on the list is X-Force number 16, which went down 10 spots from 24. Again, those uh, the ones we talked about last time were Exoswords. There will be some inflation for those. People like their event books, right? People like their crossovers. Uh, Book 41 is Marauders, number 17, which drops down 14 spots from number 27. Book 54 is Sword, number 2, and we never got the numbers for number 1, so we could probably assume that it went down a little bit. That's kind of what happens between issues 1 and 2. 59, Hellions, number 8, dropped 24 spots from number 35. Again, Exoswords effect there. 60, X-Factor number 6, which went up 19 spots from 79. Book 68, Excalibur number 17, drops down 34 spots from number 34. Now, Book 73 is Juggernaut number 5. That went up two spots from 75, so maybe a very, very slight final issue bump? Maybe? I don't know. The 74th highest-selling book is Cable Number 7, which dropped down 17 spots from number 57. So I don't know if word of cancellation had gotten out at this point. I can't remember when we got that news. And for completionist's sake, the 88th highest-selling book of January 2021 was the Chris Claremont Anniversary Special Number 1, which we did not and probably will not ever talk about. Now, it might be worth noting there were uh, no New Mutants issues that month, so they're, of course, not on the charts. Now, over the next handful of episodes, I'll try to get us caught up on the sales figures. Um, Then it'll hopefully once again become a regular thing that we look at. I mean, for whatever it's worth without actual data, it's basically just me reading a list without uh, a whole lot of uh, useful context there. I figure at least it'll just uh, give me more ammunition to complain that Excalibur hasn't been canceled yet despite uh, being so low in the charts in comparison to some of the other books. So I guess there's that. But um, I hope you guys like talking about the sales stuff here. I would love to hear your thoughts on these sales, the health of uh, the X-Books, the health of the industry. I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of conversation. So if you'd like to talk about that, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, 
Now, finally for today, since this is a Monday episode, well, for those of us listening in real time anyway, it is, but uh, I figure I would share with you all what's uh, available on Marvel Unlimited as of today. We've got uh, quite a quite a list this week. Uh, we got cable number eight, which we discussed back in episode 166. Champions number four, the uh, Cyclops and Marauders guest appearance in that book. That was episode 168. Modoc Head Games number three, which had the Gwenpool appearance and also uh, some fun on Krakoa. We discussed that back in episode 174. Marauders number 18, which we discussed back in episode 167. And though we didn't talk about it, it's still worth mentioning here. X-Men Legends number one is now available on Marvel Unlimited. Shifting ahead a couple days, what we got on shelves this Wednesday, we got New Mutants number 18, which we will be talking about. And if my maths are right, which, hey, they might be, um, that would be episode 209. And then we have X-Men number 20, which we will be discussing in episode 210. Also, for the trade waiters out there, uh, Dawn of X volume 16, which I think might be the final anthology for Dawn of X before changing into Reign of X. So Dawn of X volume 16 will be hitting shelves this week. That said, that's a... Pretty cheap week for the X-Fans this week. Only only two ongoing books. It's a, an $8 week. Could you imagine? <laughs> only spending $8 on the X-Books. How about that? But uh, that is all I got for you today. If you'd like to write in and chat me up about anything you want, please feel free to do so. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, Instagram at 90sXmen, or you could shoot me an email over to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearth.com. You can talk to us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men on Facebook. Finally, for all your Chris and Reggie comic commentary and chatter, I guess, um, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And uh, if you like what you hear, or at least appreciate the effort behind it, please feel free to uh, spread the word and share the show. It would really, really mean a lot to me. But that's where we'll leave it for today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing some of your time with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya. No